Hi, I'm Josie Arella Sweetnan. This is a podcast for creatives, entrepreneurs, adventurers, and travelers living life in an exciting way, where remarkable women living off the beaten path share their stories of resilience, courage, and hope. Check it out on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your podcast. I believe you are the creator of your life. Don't you deserve to overcome your childhood trauma and take back control of your life? I know how painful it can be to feel disconnected from yourself, your friends, family, and the world. I would like to introduce you to the Illuminate Your Life membership. I help ambitious women dealing with childhood trauma and stressors to feel confidence in their own skin so that they can live life more fearlessly, with less anxiety, and move out of their comfort zone to embody the commitment of healing and love they've made to themselves. I do this by taking you through proven techniques and practices to connect with your body on a deeper level. Are you ready to feel connected to yourself and others? Feel compassion for yourself. Let go of self-judgment and start showing appreciation. Learn to deal with your anxiety and feel connected. You're in luck. In a couple months, I'll be launching the Eliminate Your Life membership. This tribe will have determined, motivated, passionate women who want to better their state of mind, learn how to deal with their past traumas, and see and evaluate how it shows up for them. No more fake it till you make it in this community. We will practice it until we embody it. Join the waitlist today at backroadscoaching.com slash illuminate your life. By signing up today, you will get more information and a free audio centering practice to start connecting with your higher self today. Hi there, friends. Welcome back to the Backroads Podcast, where we talk about living life fearlessly off the beaten path. Today on the episode, I'm going to be sharing with you my story. I'm your host, Josie Arellis Wheatman. I am a first-generation immigrant from Haiti, moved to the States in 1993, and I am the oldest of five. My parents always made sure that we understood that what hard work was like. They always worked so hard to provide for us and would magically make something out of nothing. My father was prone to getting angry, sometimes emotional and physically abusive. My mother was submissive, and she had the strongest faith, always believing that everything happens for a reason. And she was always very loving towards us. I have been a cosmetologist and an educator. I've been at it for 10 years now. Transforming hair has been a passion of mine. Transforming people from short to long hair, from long to short, the dramatic color changes, those are what light me up. And listening to the women in my chair tell stories, stories of their struggles, stories of their wins, stories of their children, and I feel as cosmetologist, I've been very privileged to really get in the inside of the minds of the people that sit in my chair. They really open up and share their hearts to me, and it's been so impactful in my life. So during COVID and the pandemic, it felt like a natural change to pivot and become a life coach. 
I wanted to educate myself and gain the tools to help in a more meaningful and productive way. I have learned through the classes I have taken of somatic healing and how we need to listen to our bodies to heal. Our bodies hold so much in our DNA and with some daily practices, we can learn to settle into our bodies to notice the shape that we take in this world, the shape we bring to this world. I'm currently on a journey to help ambitious women dealing with childhood trauma and stressors to feel self-confident in their own skin so that they can live life more fearlessly with less anxiety and move out of their comfort zone to embody the commitment of healing, the commitment of love, the commitment of confidence they've made to themselves. I do this by taking all my clients through proven techniques to connect with their body at a deeper level so they know what truly is meaningful for them. In my past life, and I guess in this life too, I'm still working on it. Living this life is, is living a life of progress and taking one step forward and one step back. So we're always growing, always learning. But I have been a people pleaser. I had so much shame and guilt about my childhood trauma. I found myself always running away from things and running away from people and pushing people away, feeling so disconnected from myself and the world. A lot of me blocked out my childhood, blocked out a lot of the trauma, a lot of the abuse. I didn't really know how to love myself, which was always a struggle for me. So I made the huge life-changing decision in 2017 to take a sabbatical. There was just something in me that knew that I needed to find myself. I needed to escape and really go deeper. I didn't know what that would look like but I knew that that is what I wanted to do. So I set out to find the best place that was affordable that I could go to and go for a long period of time. When I was planning this sabbatical, I had all the intention of my husband, then boyfriend, Austin, joining me on this adventure. But it turned out that he was planning to propose and didn't have the means to do it. I had no idea at the time that I planned this trip that that's what he was planning. So after I had booked that plane ticket, he proposed to me a couple months later. And of course I said yes. We had been dating for seven years at the time. And so it was just the progression and we love each other. So it was just the right thing to do. So I knew that this journey was going to be mine and mine alone. I set out to get an American passport and that was a doozy. The passport required a lot of documents, a lot of information, and all my paperwork and information was in Creole, which is the native Haitian language. So finding somebody to translate all that paperwork, even finding that paperwork, it was so old and it, my 
siblings and I called it, it was like looking at a treasure chest, all the old paperwork from Haiti that we came upon. And so it took a very long time for me to get my passport. Honestly, my passport didn't come until I believe four or five days before I was supposed to go on my trip. There was times where I just lost hope and thought the trip was not ever going to happen, honestly. So it was a beautiful blessing on having patience and faith that everything would work out right before the big trip. So Bali was the place that was chosen. I chose it because of it had ocean, it had forest, jungle, all the things that I love, which is nature. I set an intention for that trip. I wanted to learn to connect with myself. I wanted to learn to let go. I wanted to learn the art of surrender. I wanted to learn to love myself. And so... The day that I was let, I left, it was September of 2017, I flew from Dallas to Canada. And believe it or not, I missed my flight in Canada and had to stay the night in Canada and be rerouted to Hong Kong for an additional 24 hours. So my trip started off with me learning more patience, learning more surrender. And I guess that is what I asked for. So it was a pleasure to actually get to see Hong Kong for 24 hours. Hong Kong was nothing like I expected. There was so many tall buildings downtown. I got myself an octopus pass and that is the train there and went downtown to have dinner and I was just blown away by all the tall buildings and the name brand places and yeah, so many shopping, so much shopping stores. So for those that are into name brands and shopping, Hong Kong might be the place for you to visit one day. So the next day, I got to finally make it to Bali. I had a mutual friend who hooked me up with her friend when she had gone to Bali, her driver. And so she picked me up from the airport and it was so good to see her. I felt like finally I've made it. So while in Bali, the main focus for me was yoga, meditation, and finding all the healing modalities. So they have these types of healing waters and forms of nature. So waterfalls that are healing, natural springs that are healing, and temples all over. And I also went and visited a healer. Um, one of my favorite stories of my Indonesian trip is hiking at 2 a.m. with a flashlight to the top of Mount Batur. And it was a sunrise trek, so we were hiking to make it to the top at sunrise. It took us, took us about four hours to hike in the dark all the way up to the sunrise. When we got up to the top, it was, it felt like I was in heaven. It was the most beautiful sight. It was a little chilly up there. But there was locals that were um, giving us hot chocolate and coffee, and it was just a surreal moment for me. Um, it came, so my best friend, actually, my best friend, Sarah, actually came to join me on my adventure. She came at 
day, I believe it was day 25 or 26 for me. And that meant that visa was going to expire because the visa was only 30 days long. So I had to get a visa extension and that was a doozy. So that meant that I had to stay near the visa place. I had to book a flight anywhere in order to get my visa accepted. And which meant Sarah had to spend two full days with me and working this visa out, which was very hard on me because I had felt very obligated to show her a good time and to show her the Bali that I had fallen in love with. And I wanted to keep going with the flow and keep feeling that natural, natural urge of letting go that I had learned to do in Bali to just kind of see what happens. But it, for some reason, the moment that she got there, I just had all these feelings of how things were supposed to go. I started to layer on those expectations and layer on exactly how things were supposed to go. And it turned out nothing really went our way. After I got my visa extended, we made our way to Nusa Limbogen, me and Sarah. And we were first day there, we decided to go paddle boarding in the ocean. I had never paddle boarded in the ocean before, so I had no idea what to expect. We <laughs> were very surprised because when we got to the ocean, we were left in low tide. So that meant the water receded back and basically took us out to the middle of the ocean. And it was a very scary moment because we were seeing these big, big monster boats and ships like in the middle of the ocean, which is where you see those type of ships. We were trying to paddle back to shore and it was just, it was nearly impossible for us to get to shore. So one of the locals, um, husband who rented us the paddleboard must've seen us going out there or must've not seen us. So she sent her husband to come find us. He comes out and we get in his boat, feeling like we've been rescued, feeling thankful, feeling blessed, only to find out. So the boat hits the, um, the riptide where the, um, where the water had receded. So the riptide was very, very powerful and the boat almost flipped over. And so they called us stupid Americans and said we were bad luck and forced us to get out of their boat right at the tide break. So something very scary happened. We couldn't get past the tide break and I ended up underneath the paddleboard. It was a very traumatizing moment for me. I felt like it was the end, honestly, and there was a moment I was underneath the paddleboard getting beaten up by the wave and the coral, and there was a moment that I let go, and I was like, okay, if this is how I'm going, this is how I'm going, and in that moment of complete surrender and letting go, I was freed, I was saved, and that moment, even though it was such a scary, traumatizing moment for me, I can look back now and realize I was fighting. I was fighting the whole time to live in the moment that I was able to let go. I was free. And so it's such a analogy for life because that is on the path that I'm on is trying to figure out how to do this letting go, how to do this surrender, how to live in the now.
And so the very next day, I vowed to myself I was not going to go back in the ocean. And Sarah still wanted to adventure, so she went off snorkeling. And that day I stayed home and just practiced gratitude. Gratitude for my life. I mean, I'm alive. <laughs> and so after Nussel and Bogan, Sarah went on to go visit Ubud. And I went back to... Um, on my next adventure, I was on my way to go work at a school teaching, helping teach English. And so I made my way to a little village in Jakarta called Klaten. And this was a little tiny village. Oh my gosh, I have never been in a place that was that small, but it was so beautiful. There was just rice fields everywhere. There was so much land and farms and the people. Oh my gosh, the people were just so beautiful. And I got to spend great quality time in that cotton little village. And one of the big things that happened for me, another big, I mean, all of it was big, right? So another big thing that happened was turning 30. So on my 30th birthday, which was then November, so November 16th of 2017, I turned 30. And that day, literally all I wanted was a glass of wine. And in this little village, there is, it's a dry village. So there is no there is no wine. And so I wanted the impossible, obviously, but I didn't realize that it would be the impossible. Um, the family I was staying with, who happened to be my family, they were also the people, um, his name is Peter. He was also the person that his mom was one of the sponsors that helped us get to America. And he was living in um, this little village called Clotten. And he made me believe that it wouldn't be that hard for us to find some wine, just drive over to the next village and we would find it. We literally spent the whole day going from place to place to place to place. I believe we started our adventure at like three or four in the afternoon and didn't end up finding wine until nine or 10 at night. We ended up at a beautiful hotel, Americanized hotel. And finally find wine only to find out that this bottle of wine in America would have normally been $5.99, maybe $8, was like a $40, $50 bottle of wine. After the search, I mean, you, what are you going to do? I wasn't going to say no. So that was my big birthday adventure of turning 30 in Indonesia. The very next day after turning 30, it was time for me to leave I went to Vietnam and the reason why I went to Vietnam is because I got the recommendation that that's where it would be the best place for me to make a wedding dress. So on this adventure after meeting so many beautiful souls and talking to them, I decided that okay I'm gonna go to Vietnam, I'm gonna go to Hoan and I'm gonna design and make a wedding dress. And I had no idea what this adventure would entail, but I knew it was going to be one that I would remember for a lifetime. So on the day that I was supposed to meet with my seamstress, uh, her name is Tram. 
She, I had interviewed at least 12 or 13 people before I met Tram and she under, could understand me. I could understand her and she was just a beautiful soul. She spent an hour and a half with me going through all the pictures of the front, the back, the side, how I wanted the top to look. Like I'm a true hairstylist. So I had all the angles of how I wanted this dress to be. And she sketched and listened and was truly present with me. And so that's how I knew she was my person. So on the day that I was going in for my first fitting to get measured and everything, I meet another beautiful soul. So I'm staying at this hostel and on the day that I'm going to do this, I meet Sophie at breakfast and I start telling her about my day plan to ahead and how I am stoked and so excited. And she says to me, there is no way you're doing this alone. Like it's your wedding dress. This is something you do with your loved ones. This is something you do with your friends. And she came with me that day and the next day and the next day. She, Sophie was beautiful. Sophie was with me the whole journey of creating that dress, being there to say, this is her wedding dress. It needs to be perfect. Being there to help take pictures of the process. Oh, she was just a beautiful friend and she still is to this day. I'm super thankful for her. One of the unfortunate things that happened in Vietnam was my identity got stolen. I was buying a plane ticket to my next destination, so it happened online, and my card got frozen because um, obviously people, somebody took all the money out of it online. Uh, I had no way to figure out how to call my bank at this point, and I was lost. <laughs> and my husband, came to my rescue and was able to go to the bank and try to talk it out. Um, it turned out that they could freeze my card for an extended period of time and then reopen it, but it was going to take time. So here I was left in Vietnam with only a handful. I think I only had $50 in cash and that was not going to last me long. And so I got myself a job as a hostess of the mostess and I was able to get room and board and food, two meals a day and a place to sleep. And I quickly learned that was all I needed. I was able to explore the city like the locals. I was walked everywhere. I was in the best shape of my life on this adventure. I was just always walking everywhere. I was always going to nature sites and the ocean and all those beautiful things. So even though my identity got stolen, it ended up not being the worst thing that could have happened to me. It ended up forcing me to have a different perspective on my trip. And I was very, very blessed for my husband, who was then my boyfriend at the time, for his help. So finally, when I was able to get a hold of the bank and figure out all of the information out, it turned out that they couldn't give me back all my money. That is one thing I learned, and I will. my highest recommendation is if you're going to travel, it might be to your benefit to actually get a travel credit card, um, because they have better insurance, it seems, than my regular um, bank card. But 
So that was an adventure of learning that I had to definitely live my trip on definitely a smaller budget. So after designing my dress, my beautiful wedding dress, custom made just for me, just the way I wanted it, I was able to get on to my next destination. I was in Vietnam for 30 days, so I was in Hoan for two of those, two weeks, and then I got to make my way the capital of Vietnam, which was total chaos. I did not leave my hostel very much when I was there. I stayed definitely more inside and was reading books and watching the Lifetime movies on the phone because I was just not, I was not ready for that amount of pace. Like walking across the street was a scariest thing. It was just a crowded and fast moving, fast paced city. And yeah, Saigon was a trip for me. After being in the small little town of Hoan, it was super peaceful, lanterns everywhere, and then being in the mountains and the jungle, and then to end up in Saigon, I was just not ready for all the motorbikes and the buses and the honking. It was just it was just a trip to the system, honestly. <laughs> so I only left to do a handful of things, like go out to eat. I also went to the War Museum in Saigon, and that was an experience that I will never forget. So I remember learning about the war in Vietnam when I was in school. But seeing those images and reading the stories of the families broke my heart. I left that war museum completely shattered in pieces. Just so much empathy for the people and what they went through during that war. So if you do ever make it to Saigon, and I would definitely highly recommend visiting that war museum. It will open your eyes. It will open your heart. And it just, it's a great way to have love and compassion for the people of Vietnam. So from Saigon, I made my way to Thailand, and in Thailand, I, oh my gosh, I love Thailand and the people of smiles in Thailand. I think that was my favorite cuisine of all the places that I visited. It was just Thai food. It was just so good. Every day I got different yummy things, and the best way to eat local is to see where all the locals are eating and follow. If there's a long line of locals eating at a outdoor food station, that's where you want to be. You want to be where the locals are. And so I had, oh, so much yummy food. I ate my way through Thailand. Um, while in Thailand, I did a lot of adventuring, so day trips, and um, I even took my first overnight train in Thailand. And it was kind of cool because the train turns into a little sleeper and you get to sleep your way to the next destination. I actually got really lost <laughs> in Thailand. Um, I got really lost a lot of times on this trip, but this was one of the biggest 
getting lost stories of my adventure. So I was on a train for, I believe, 20 hours and made it to where I was supposed to get on a bus to go to my next destination. I asked for a bus ticket for... Copenhagen and they gave me a bus ticket for Pagan and these two sound so similar so I could see how that mistake happened looking back and so from a 20-hour train ride sleeper train to a six-hour bus ride I end up in the middle of nowhere I had planned where I was going so I knew what it was gonna look like I knew where I was staying like it was planned so when I got to this little town called Pagan it was there was literally nothing there there was a bus station and jungle I went to talk to the people at the window and of course they don't understand anything I'm saying uh, they just kept saying, a bus will come, a bus will come. So I sit down and I'm patiently waiting. I'm talking to my husband. It is actually Christmas Eve at this point. <laughs> I wanted to spend Christmas at the ocean. Like that was the, that was the whole thing. Christmas at the ocean. And I just kept saying up to them when I would go up to the window, I just want to spend Christmas at the ocean. Like, how do I get to the ocean? And they just kept telling me to wait. The bus will come. <laughs> and I definitely broke down at this point and was bawling my eyes out and just feeling sorry for myself. I decided to take a deep breath and go outside for some reason. As I'm going outside, there is a bus that's arrived and there are people that can speak English. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. And so I'm trying to explain to them what's going on. I'm trying to get some help. And they were like, oh my gosh, you are so far from where you want to be. Like, so far. Um, the closest town over is going to be another three-hour bus ride. And if you're trying to get to the ocean, that's where I, they would recommend. So they recommended me this little town. I paid for the ticket and waited for the bus to come. And this time I knew the bus was coming. And I made it to this small little town. Oh, I wish I could remember the name of it right now, but it's escaping me. Yeah, so I made it to this small little beautiful town and with no place to stay, I get off the bus and talked to a local immediately and told her like I don't have a place to stay my phone is on the verge of death is there anywhere you would recommend and she set me on a path to find my next hostel to stay at and thank god I just listened to my gut and started asking for help because I ended up in the best hostel I could have been at for Christmas we had a Christmas party that night a Christmas Eve party that night and I met a beautiful soul of course on its on adventures you're never really alone even if you're on a solo trip you will find people that are your people and so I found I made a friend and we went down to the beach the next day and spent Christmas at the beach which was the dream eating Thai food I had the best pad Thai 
So even though I was lost and that story was started out like a scary story, it ended up so beautiful and I ended up right where I needed to be. But just again, surrender, let go and go with the flow, even though it's not the easiest thing to do sometimes. And so from that adventure, I was there for, I was only going to be there for three days, but because it was such a long trek, I ended up staying for seven days so I can really truly enjoy it. Uh, I learned to ride a, I learned to ride a motorbike in Indonesia. And so I had been just renting myself a moto and just exploring that little island that I was on. And it was just a glorious time of self-discovery, of just being by myself and learning, yeah, learning things about myself and what I liked, what I didn't like, and having those beautiful adventures. So I made my way from there back to the train, the main train station, and made my way to Koh Samui. In Koh Samui, Thailand was where, unfortunately, my boyfriend, now husband, stopped talking to me. I had been gone now for about three and a half, four months, and he was thinking I was never coming back. So in Koh Samui, I had my husband not talking to me. I had my friends back home calling me and telling me it's time to come home, telling me to stop being selfish, and that seriously put me in the biggest funk. I was in a funk, honestly, for about a week and a half, two weeks, just feeling sorry for myself and feeling sad that that's how this adventure was, like, the way the adventure was going was so great. Like, I was in my flow, but I was hurting people. <sighs> and so I was in that funk of just feeling bad and feeling sorry for myself. And I leave Kosamoy. So Kosamoy was a total blur to me. I was literally just bummed out almost the whole time in Kosamoy. And from Kosamoy, I made my way to Copenhagen for the full moon party that everybody raved about and said that you have to go to. So I made it a point to go to. Um, and in Copenhagen, again, running out of funds, minimal amount of money after my identity got stolen, I had to find a way to make money. So I became a bartender in Copenhagen. I also was a housekeeper in Copenhagen. I feel for all housekeepers everywhere. So now anytime I stay in any sort of hotel, I always try to leave it just as well as I found it. Putting the towels in a pile where they can, with everything by the door, putting the trash all in the trash can, and just making sure that I left it just as I found it. Because being a, being a housekeeper at the full moon party was quite nasty. People are gross. <laughs> People are gross, but it got me room and board and food, which is what I learned on this trip. All you need to survive is food and a roof over your head. And so I ended up in Copenhagen and going to the full moon party, making some friends, starting to get over my funk of my husband, my boyfriend, now husband, not talking to me, and my friends 
thinking I was the worst person in the world. And again, learning to let go and surrender and detach from those words so that they weren't my words. And so yes, yeah, so while I was in Thailand, I met, I met some more beautiful souls and one of them that will always forever stick with me, his name is Happy Horse. And he, I was telling him about the wedding that I was planning, um, where I wasn't talking to my fiance and I was planning this beautiful wedding and I was telling him all the details of exactly what I wanted. And he said to me, expectations are planned disappointments. You are planning your own disappointment. And at first I didn't understand what that meant, planning your own disappointment. But as I got to thinking, as we got to talking, he was telling me like, if you plan this wedding to a T and you want it to go exactly the way you want it to go, there's no wiggle room, there's no room for surprise, you are gonna be left disappointed. So he gave me a suggestion and some tips of what I could do is just be in the moment, go with the flow, surrender to the isness of the day, and predominantly just feel grateful and gratitude for the people that show up, for all the things that are going right, and to find laughter and humor in the things that weren't going right. So that was one of the tips that, and yeah, one of the tips and one of the things that have stayed with me that and this trip was three years ago so that has stayed with me to now of expectations or planned disappointments so it's good for us to have those expectations of we want things to go good we want to feel good we want things to be happy but when they don't go our way knowing to find the gratitude in the best way that we can and focus on the things that we can control so from Thailand, I made my way to Germany and I had totally ran out of money at this point. Zero dollar. <laughs> and I honestly thought it was going to be time for me to go home. But after talking to my fellow travelers, I got talked into couch surfing my way through Germany. So for the last two weeks of my trip, I couch surfed my way through Cologne and Berlin, Germany, meeting the most beautiful people, the most beautiful families. I never ended up on a couch. I ended up in bed. I ended up in a room. I ended up with people that would cook me dinner, people that would tell me their stories, and it felt like I was a part of their family by the end of my couch surfing. So when I came back home, it was like a whirlwind. I came back home, had to reconnect with my husband, had to get back into the rat race of life, working, making money. I lost my feeling of complete flow. I lost my feeling of complete surrender. I was lost. I was sad. I found myself just breaking down and crying for no reason at all. I just felt so... Like it was such a big change from four and a half, five months of going with the flow, doing whatever I wanted, being on my own time, being with my own intuition, to now being completely back in the real world. So my husband and I, of course, we talked it over, we kissed and made up. We ended up getting married in July 2018. That was our eight year anniversary. 
After getting married, moving to Williston, North Dakota, again, here I was, away from friends, away from family, alone with my thoughts, alone with my fears, and all I wanted to do was travel, escape, and so I started throwing myself into my cosmetology business, throwing myself into work, and just working to travel. So for the year that I was in Williston, that was my mission, work to travel. So I got to go to some awesome places that in the States that I'd never done before, like going to the East Coast to see the fall foliage, <laughs> which was an awesome experience last September. And yes, also working to pay off debt, which was really awesome. But I still was left feeling like, there has to be a better way for me to get into flow, for me to get into that surrender, for me to find that joy that I once had being on the road. There had to be a way for me to find this in my everyday life. And so I just started taking courses online. I took a course with Kathy Heller of called Made to Do This, where we went all into depth of our childhood trauma healing, finding out how to shed our limiting beliefs and our mess being our message. And I started me thinking about my mess that I was so ashamed about, I was so filled with guilt about, could help other people. And then from there, I was like coaching. I that is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a life coach. So I started taking a somatic, it was a somatic transformation coaching course and learning all about how to listen to the body for healing and how to do these different practices to gain control of yourself, to be more present, to be more in the now. And it was totally life-changing for me, that program. And it happened during quarantine, which felt like it was like perfect timing because the world was in total anxiety. The world was in total chaos. And here what I was learning how to deal with all of that. So in this course, we, I learned all about letting go of judgment. I learned how to watch how trauma shows up in my body, which is my reasoning for always wanting to run away. That is my conditioned tendency. When I was abused, I would want to run away because that's what trauma makes you do sometimes. For everybody, it's different. Um, I was able to sense more compassion for myself and other people. I was able to connect with myself and my body in a way that I was never able to before. I now know what it's like to take a moment of pause and chaos instead of reacting always and to feel more confident in myself and more appreciation for where I am today and even more appreciation for my past because my past is where brought me to this beautiful place and beautiful journey that I'm on. And one of the biggest thing is moving from my thinking self to my feeling self. Because as humans, our brains are going a million miles per hour and we tend to believe the things that we think. And in this course, I learned that I don't have to believe my thoughts. My thoughts are not always correct. I can choose to be aware of my thoughts. I can choose to take what's good and leave what's bad. I can choose to completely transform it and reiterate it in a whole different way. And so this class was life-changing, life-giving for me. And I want to share it with the people. I want to share it with women and I want people to feel embodied. I want people to feel 
themselves. I want people to feel that self-confidence that I've gained through taking these courses. And I'm willing to share it if people are willing to do the work. It. I want to work with women, ambitious women, wanting to find that self-confidence, wanting to find that healing for themselves. And if you're that person, get at me and let's go. And currently I'm working on a membership community where the vision I see is a community of beautiful women coming together and healing and shedding those limiting beliefs and learning how to exhale and live their inner vision and have that awareness and aliveness and feel more fully present in their life. And I am so inspired and motivated and feel just so passionate about this adventure. And I can't wait to meet the beautiful souls that's going to go on this journey with me. And my biggest thing is I'm not faking it anymore. No more faking it. That used to be my whole way of survival. I faked it. I faked that smile. I faked that happy. I don't have to do that anymore. I can practice being happy. I can practice embodying my highest self. I can practice being centered and being in the now. And there's just something so powerful when you can do those things. And thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this story, listening to my journey. I hope it brought you some inspiration. I hope it made you laugh. <laughs> and I hope that you have the most beautiful rest of your weekend. Thank you for listening to the Back Rose Podcast. To learn more about your host, Josie Aurelis Wheatman, join her on Instagram at Josie Aurelis for daily inspiration. Or come be a part of the conversation of empowerment and positivity on the Backroads Coaching Facebook group. If this podcast resonates and inspired you, hit the subscribe button, leave us a review, and share this with a friend. Here's the Backroads theme song by Mike Kramer. I hope you have a beautiful week, friends. I would love to hear what you thought of this episode. my life I've been walking on the paved roads staying in the sun and away from the shadows living between the lines following the path everybody said was the only one to travel keeping home inside afraid I otherwise might get lost go to pieces and totally unravel working hard to quiet a heart that's aching to be free And is always crying out to me He's saying, let's take the back roads Let's see how things go Let's walk with the tin man The lion and the scarecrow Let's leave the city and move to the village All it takes is a little bit of faith and courage Let's take the back roads